Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sans Pants Radio. Australia's most biased podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Demarellis. This is a show where we ask you what's your story and what does it say about you. Today on the show we have comedian and podcaster Kelly Fustuka. How you doing, Kelly? Hey mate. Fustooks. Fustooks. In my head I always call you, I, I, I always say Fustooks and laugh at how funny that sounds, but I don't know if I've ever said that to you in person. Oh mate, I welcome it. Thank you so much. Um, no one ever calls me Kelly. People who really don't know me call me Kells and I hate it. Like people at my day job go kills and I, I'm like okay you don't know me and I'm not going to correct you no, no. I don't want you to know no me. one calls me Kelly like none of my friends go hi Kelly like it's always Stooks Stuka or Fustooks or okay. you know arsehole dickhead whatever no but yeah everyone calls me by my last name it's a very you know what it is it's it's Italian but um one of my great grandfathers was adopted so I feel like it's a more Serbian Italian name um, it just sounds like a real um, soccer player name, you know, like Fastuka <laughs> on the outside Definitely. goes for goal. Fastuka, and, and I come from a football family as well, so everyone's aware. Um, little Stooks, big Stooks, Mad Dog Stooks, my sister, you know, blah blah blah. Really, mm. Mad Dog Stooks. Mad Dog, yeah, everyone calls him Mad Dog. It's real funny. Um, okay, so just a bit back you before we go into the book. Uh, mm. Yep, so you're a comedian. You've been doing it now for like over ten years, right? Um. I think my first spot was at the Comics Lounge in um, the end of maybe October 2006. So, oh, damn. So, so 14, 15 years. One of those years was nice. uh, on hiatus because of COVID. So I reckon last year mm-hmm. I didn't perform for maybe seven or eight months. And then this year I reckon besides Comedy Festival where I did a show, I reckon I've gotten up this year maybe, I don't know. 20 times, if that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just like it's, it's, even like this last, we just had another two-week lockdown in Melbourne and I had, because I after Comedy Festival, I took like two or three weeks off just to kind of get my head together and centre. I'm working as well and just and some other stuff, you know, happening and it's just I just needed some time. My dog's been really, really sick, so I was just exhausted. So I just like. <laughs> Actively took like I know it sounds I know you like but yeah, yes so my one of my my puppy that no it's a real thing it just sounds funny it just sounds <laughs> funny I know so our, our puppy that yeah. me and my roommate got during lockdown last year she's had um she got um uh, meningitis um in her brain so she's been having some pretty full on seizures and stuff so that's been full on trying to like manage her and working and comedy also so it took like three weeks off 
doing stand up, just like didn't actively ask for gigs. If I got asked to do a gig, I did it, but I'd never, I just didn't actively ask for anything. And then, um, and then when I was ready, I was like, all right, let's get back into it. And I booked a ton of stuff. And it was the last, the two weeks of lockdown we just had in Melbourne. Like money stuff, yeah. like just lost money, money and gigs, money and gigs. I'm with you. I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, last year got about halfway before I fully accepted it. I was like, before the big lockdown, I was like, okay, well, this year's a write off uh, for anything comedy wise. But now it's looking like in my head, I'm kind of starting to write off this year as well. It's hard. Of- it's really hard. And and it's yeah. hard to write stand up. This is one of the things that I've talked about. And I've actually got a comedian, a mate, Rose Bishop. She's coming over soon. When, when we finish here to um, just to kind of bounce some ideas off each other because I I don't have the will to write. I don't have uh, – I feel like I've lost my funny bone. Um, you know, like I, I just – I feel like a phony telling people I do stand-up because I'm just – because even though, you know, we get out of lockdown, it still takes two two weeks for gigs to come back. And then it takes – and then and then your pushback is if you – because I had gigs – during that time, so I got I've been postponed now because to let the people that got cancelled be up and you know so it's like oh man and because the only way to get better the only way to write material for me is to get up on stage because then it's come from it and stuff so it's just it's real hard to sit down and and then something will happen in the house where I'll make you know a funny joke my roommate's like oh that's really funny I was like oh yeah that's right I'm funny you know like I forget <laughs> because I just um. You know, because I uh, I had to take up a you know a full time day job because I lost all my comedy incomes, um, and you know like it just takes the way it just takes your funny out, it's just gone. But I mean it's there, and the thing is, and I went on stage, um, my first gig back, it was fine. You know, I wasn't as, as much fit as I want to be, but I still got it. It's fine. Yeah, you you almost you forget, and then you just have a bit of banter, and you're like, "Oh yeah, 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 I got, yeah I'm, I'm hilarious. I'm hilarious. <laughs> I've been doing this for years. I've been doing this for years. I've like shared stages with incredible comedians. I mean, and that's funny because in one breath I'm like, I'm funny, I know what I'm doing, and then another breath I'm like, I'm not funny. What am I doing? I'm just not funny. <laughs> a lot of self doubt, but um, it's all right. You know, COVID. You reevaluate your priorities. What do you want to do? You know, when comedy gets taken away, what's left in life? So. A lot of evaluating, you know, got another dog. She's sick, but I'm glad we got her because anyone else may have not even taken the, like, because she needs a lot of care. Like she takes, so she gets um, medication five times a day. So. Oh, my God. Mm, so 6.30 is her first so med. So you replace comedy. Yeah, with a sick dog. I mean, mm. this dog is sounding like kind of a metaphor, to be honest. <laughs> is caring for that dog all you're doing today? I got a murder doco on Netflix on the telly. Right. Mwah. Right now, going while we're talking. Oh, I had it play. I just paused it because um, we're, t- okay. we're talking now. But it's ready to go. You're like, as soon as it's done, mm. it's just my options there. Oh, I'll probably fall asleep in it, to be honest, because I got a I yeah. got a pretty heavy eye at the moment. But I'll probably um, but I do. What'll happen is when we finish here, I'll need to take because uh, I have ADD, so I take Ritalin every day, and I take uh, so I take in the morning and in the afternoon. So I probably have, I have to take my Ritalin at about one thirty. So. I'll probably want to sleep, but once I take that Ritalin, it's not going to happen. Oh right, so so is it is it twice a twice a day you take Ritalin? Yeah, every so I day? take two ten milligrams in the morning and then one in the afternoon, and early afternoon. Like if I forget to take it, which is a lot. Huh. One of the traits of having ADD is um, like a really good memory with like um, a lot of stuff, like with long term stuff, like really good memory with like conversations, 
movies you've seen, places, people, dates, but short-term memory, terrible. So I'll take a tablet and then forget if I've taken it or not, you know, because that's the, so, okay. so when I, so I'll take my tablet. So yesterday I took my tablet and then I took it and then I was like, I think I already took it today. I think I already took it like 20 minutes ago. But because you just like, yeah. you know, and this, it's a very common ADD or ADHD trait where we just forget. I just forgot because I'm, right. I'm doing it. I would have taken it while my mind was somewhere. Like I'm, I'm, I'm standing up, I'm doing, yep, blah, 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 tablet, blah, blah. And then 20 minutes later I'm like, actually, so I have to, sometimes I really have to say it. Like I have to say I am taking a tablet so that I remember it. Like, and same, a lot of people who even don't have this even do it with like ironing, like the iron or the stove or like curling irons or something where you're like you have to like envisage yourself like pulling out the plug going before you go to work. Like I unplug the iron, I, you know? Yeah. You find that too? That's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. It's I common. feel like I'm not – I'm like, do I have ADD? Because, like, yeah, that happens sometimes with everything. I'm like, did I do that? I'm like, I don't – did you – Um. so I've actually had a friend who recently got diagnosed for uh, ADHD. Let me guess, female? No, oh. male. No, well, I, the reason why I was so confident because if you've got female friends and you talk about this, uh, there's been a massive surge in women in their 30s being diagnosed with ADD or ADHD because a lot of a lot of men or a lot of little boys get diagnosed when they're young because they're like five and six and they can't stop climbing off the walls. But women don't get, they're not in that because we don't climb on walls and, you know, run and go crazy. So no one ever thinks women can get it. And it's only until a woman gets older where it's like, oh, why can't I hold down a job? Why can't I pay off debts? Why can't I hold conversations? Why do I find it hard to hold on to friendships? All the shit stuff that comes with being uh, having ADD really manifests now in your thirties because we yeah. never got it never got like taken care up. of when younger. And we had we're so women have a really unique way of being adaptable where we've covered it up for so long, right? So there's all these traits that I have that I have covered it up for years for years right like and when I when I originally got my test done for it he's like I don't know how you have survived this long because we are uh, and I hate to sound like a big femo but whatever I am uh, uh, um that women are we're resilient like in that way so one of the qu- oh my god, you're such a feminist. I know, right? Oh. We are because, like, we get it. In little boys, you know, they it's just it's something about when 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 men have it, it's like it's more acceptable. Oh yeah, that's Davo. He's a bit nuts or he's a bit like this. But with women, we really have to be uh, be more sensible and blah blah blah. If we don't, so like it's little stuff like um you, you know mask what it more. yeah we mask it. So I've got really good ways of covering it up. So one of the ways is that. Um, you know, comedy, it's, it's, it's doing stand-up, performing and stuff like that, um, as opposed to having a job where you have to really focus and do a job and sit at a desk for eight hours because that was always – and, I, and I, I always had, had a hard time holding down jobs like that because they're like, you know, I'm, I'm late all the time or, you know, I can't do the job because I can't focus and I can't understand it. You know, but I'm really good. But my memory is incredible. An incredible memory. Not short, you know, not short term, but yeah. Like, and but it's like one of the questions is, um, what were you, what were your grades like in high school? <laughs> and I'm like terrible because <laughs> I couldn't learn. But we fell through the cracks, you know. But yeah, anyway, mm. interesting. If you if you mention it in with, uh, and also because they 
what happens with women is they give us antidepressants because they're like all these issues are happening and it's like, oh, here's some antidepressants to make you feel better, which I was on for years. And then as soon as I started taking Ritalin, I was like, oh, this is the answer. This is what mm. I want. This is what I needed. I'm like, fuck all this time, all this time, you know. It was annoying that it took that long to figure out what was wrong with me. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's actually funny you're saying this because uh, and I, I, I definitely agree that um, of the two genders, definitely the women would be uh, less obvious. So there so would be definitely obvious. high proportion. Mm. But um, it's funny because you're saying that because I've got two mates now, guys. Mm. Uh, so one's on it and the other one's been diagnosed just now in like the last two weeks. So he's saying he's got it, got it as well. So I think the others – so I definitely think women have it more, but I think actually across the board oh. the th- in their 30s – I think like everyone Everyone. has just the piled up shit that's been like, why is my life a mess? Like, why have I never held a relationship for more than like? Yeah, and it's hard to hold hold friendships, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes with it. Like, like I am always pressuring myself to be on time. It's a whole thing, but I'll know that I've got to leave the house in 20 minutes, and I'm like, well, I've got 20 minutes to sit here and do this, you know. And then I'm rushed, and I'm rushed, and I'm like, it's um. But I noticed when people get really mad at you, but it's like it's we're not being disrespectful. We're just like, but it's ama- yeah, amazing once you get the medication, how much like you know instantly. I just started weaning off all you know any kind of antidepressants because I was like, ah, oh, I wasn't sad, you know. And if I was sad, I was sad because I couldn't finish anything I started. Like what was making me sad was the fact that I felt like such a loser because I was so unable to just do anything. You know, like mm. I was like, oh, I, I hate myself because I'm shit at everything. The reason why I was shit at everything is because I couldn't fucking focus on anything. I couldn't sit there and do yeah. anything. Like, and then I remember um, uh, Fringe, Perth Fringe last year, first festival I did on Ritalin, and it was incredible. Incredible in terms of like, like I wasn't drinking all the whole time I was in Perth, I didn't drink. I would go to bed. Well, my show was late. I had like a nine forty-five show, so I'd be in bed. Well, I'd, I'd be I'd be home by eleven o'clock, and then I'd wake up and go work out, and then I would spend like when I got home and showered, I would sit at my at the table, and um, I would listen to the night before show. Like I would sit at a table for four hours during the day and go through last night's show and like. And then do any and, and just had like lists, would make lists and get it all done. Just it was incredible the difference that of just getting shit done. I mean, yeah, that does sound pretty amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> like, that's yeah. it. Um did you did you notice um because one thing, even how he describes it and stuff, it, the only thing I do wonder, and I'm not saying it's equal and it's impossible to measure this stuff anyway, but because of its ability to make you focus, that do you reckon your creativity at all no. like which probably got made up for by the fact that you can sit there and focus. But like, do you reckon that took a hit at all? The connecting of random no, thoughts and stuff no, like it that? It helped it. Like I was able to, especially the comedy festival that just went by, I was able to work at jokes where I, I could actually sit down and listen to the night before a show and go, man, this joke is not hitting as much as I want it to hit. I wonder why. And I would actually go through and think about like is it a delivery and I would go through it. And in a few days, that joke would start to hit and really, really hit because I had the the patience to sit through and figure it out. Whereas before, I would go, I can't do this. I can't. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't do it. And I would lay on the couch and put a doona over my head. So instead of making the joke better, I would be like, I can't. I can't. I can't. No, what? 
I don't know, what am I doing? I can't, no, I can't do it. And I just wouldn't do it because I physically couldn't do it, you know? Like just yeah, yeah. physically was like cannot do it because I, I just cannot look at these words and I cannot make them focus and I can't. And then people call that depression. I'm like it wasn't, you know what I mean? I've just, I felt suffocated. I felt suffocated with tasks, which is what ADD is. You feel suffocated with tasks. So then I would sleep for two hours every day. I'd go, I'd go work out burn 400 calories and then I have to go sleep for two hours just like mm. everyday tasks I just can't do I can't do it it just would physically make you really really tired but now I don't right. nap like okay. I feel like I want to nap now just because I've had a long week and I'm tired but I probably won't because as soon as we wrap up here I'm going to take the dogs for a walk and then I've got a mate coming over so I'll push through it right. you know what I mean and then I and I've yeah, slept yeah, so- better than I've ever slept because I'm not napping yeah Anyway, this is yeah. really, I hope this is really helpful for anyone who thinks they've got ADD. Definitely get. <laughs> well, like to be honest, you're describing so many of the sort of things that I've got that I, but I like, I think I'm on top of it. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's the thing. Maybe a lot of, and it's a lot of comedians, man. I mean, ask around the comedy community and, and you'll see a bunch of, and male as well. Uh, as female, uh, getting diagnosed later in life. Cause it's one of those things that just like drips, it just falls through a crack. And I'll tell you what, how you know you've got ADD. If something in your life goes wrong, then your whole life does fall apart. So basically you're managing, you're managing and you're managing and you're managing and you just, you keep, you've got a, you've got a um, routine. So you've got a routine every day that you follow. If something comes up that interrupts that routine, losing a job is the big one. You'll notice that your whole life will fall apart. You've lost one thing and you'll lose everything else. If you've got a full-time job when you have ADD, it's really good for you because it keeps you in a schedule and routine and it's very important for ADD and ADHD people. But, like, I've known people that have, like, lost a job and that's when they fall off because then they can't get back in, you know. So the train is going and you've got to, like, try and jump on but you just can't, 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 can't jump on. Okay, yeah. right, right, yeah. So, so in terms of, like, exercise or whatever, it all just – falls apart yeah and I had a bit of a um I had a bit of a fall apart a few months ago so I I was gonna say something like COVID's gonna yeah 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 so I was really really gonna bring it out for a lot of people this is the thing because I and I I don't I'd already been diagnosed at this point but I really do notice that when it when something falls apart everything falls apart because that's just the way it is with this kind of with this um I mean what what do you call I don't know I don't know if you call it mental illness or whatever it is it's a, a psych condition maybe maybe um but I all through lockdown last year I worked out every single day and I ate really well I was drinking I was eating a little bit more food than I should have but I was really keeping things under control and then um because I keep I keep a, a chart of my weight and then the last time I put in my weight was August 2020 so something around August which is probably that first you know that that big lockdown of six weeks so I didn't measure how much I weighed, but I knew I was still working out. And then I, um, I was still working out, even though I wasn't weighing myself because I knew I was eating more and I was drinking more. And then in February this year, I stopped working out. I started smoking again, and I started drinking, and I started eating, and I, like, in a space of three months, like fifteen kilos done on. Yeah. This year, yeah, which is why I'm like now I'm back on. Like 
I'm eating well, measuring food, blah, blah, blah. Worked out today. I'll go for a run later. Like just trying to keep shit together because I've got to lose the weight yeah, now. Yeah. I've got to lose uh, like 25 it's... kilos because I was already 10 kilos overweight. <laughs> Put on 15, 25 kilos now. 25? Mm. I'm a big girl. I'm a pretty big girl. That's yeah. like respect. I like that goal. Like that's that's impressive. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> that's... We'll see what's happening. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? True, you haven't anyway, done it yet. There you so. go. Good luck to everyone out there. Good luck, kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. I might go get measured for. <laughs> how do you? How did you get measured? Just so I can know if you, if you if you were curious if you had ADHD, go to a psychiatrist and get them to test you. Yeah, it's a bunch of it's about fifty questions, and then they they kind of put it on the scale. Go nice. There you go. I think that's a, that's useful for people to know. I yeah. think I'm like I don't I don't know. I, I I one thing I am pretty always been pretty good at is uh cleanliness and stuff like that, which I don't know. If my mates are an indication, they're not the best at being clean. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm pretty messy. ADHD seems to have yeah, that. There's a, yeah, there's like, like my the, car the and my bedroom. There's a chaos. Yeah. But when I get into it, when, I, when I've when i had a Ritalin, it's so amazing. Like, like especially on the weekends, but when I've got time, like I'll have a Ritalin, I'll work out, and then and I'm cleaning the kitchen and I'm cleaning. So when I do clean, I'm cleaning because I'm really into yeah, it. Yeah, and then yeah. like two hours later, I've like cleaned the toilets, I've mopped and all this stuff and my sister like called me one morning. She's like, "Oh man, good for you." She goes, "That's heaps." Like, it's two hours of like really big cleaning. I was like, "Yeah, I had Ritalin. This is this is the best." Yeah, this would not have been done if I wasn't on it because I would have worked out and had to na- nap. And then, like on top of that, you probably were having a great time doing it as well. Yeah, like I just felt fine. Just was like, "Oh yeah, let's- yeah." Like you just clean. Yeah. You're like perfect. And I feel like fixing tasks, just cleaning. Yeah, and I feel like I'm not as um, manic as I was without it. Like I feel like Ritalin really mm. did calm me down because I'd be so manic because I'd have all these things I needed to do. And they're not big things. It's like, oh, you know, I've got to call this person back and I've got this gig coming up and this person is waiting on me to message them back. Something as small as this person is waiting on me to message them back and I have to get back to this and I have to email this and then I have to clean the kitchen and then I've got to get a petrol in the car. Like those five tasks, which sound like nothing, would, oh, my God, manic. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, now man, okay, I might have to go get checked. Huh? <laughs> I've got a to-do list where I put down, respond to this person, respond to this person just because no, I don't do it otherwise. I mean, I do that too. Like I have, like especially when I've got a lot of stuff to do in one day, I'll do a big to-do list. But, yeah, no, I don't think that's anything wrong with that, but it's just more just the, mm. the, 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 the suffocation that you feel when there's stuff to do. And it's just, yeah. you know, okay. and I, I get it. You know, and it's it's a it's it is, it is on par with like people who have depression, but my my depression started because I had no energy to do anything or finish anything I started, which Ritalin helped me. It do. definitely sounds like way better to get to even you know, almost, and this is almost this is definitely unscientific, mm. but it's almost better every time to just get someone on Ritalin instead of antidepressants first, just to see how they go because antidepressants have so much more side effects. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, because I think that um, because GPs can give you a, um antidepressant, but if you want Ritalin, you've got to go to a psychiatrist. Um, you know, it's speed. So uh. they really have to, um, like my guy has to call up this place in Canberra, get approval, and um, when I get my script, I take it straight to my pharmacy and they have to they keep it there because I don't want to trust myself with it because if I lose it, I'm in a lot of trouble. Because you lose yeah. a, you know, any like a methamphetamine type drug, which is like Dexys, 
We've done a lot of um, ADD people on Dexies and I'm on, like, Ritalin. And I, I've actually had to go on another one for three months and it didn't work for me. It was, like, 100 – and, I like, I know people that are on this one and they're like, oh, my God, it's the best. And I'm like, no, it was so bad for me. Like, I was sleepless, tired. I felt gross. It was horrible. It was so horrible. And then when I went back to Ritalin, I was like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so I can't even get two scripts at once. Like it's – if I lose it, yeah, it's a big it's a big whoop. And then I – so I left my script at my pharmacy and then I had to go in and pick it up again and the pharmacist like, I can't find it. And I just like very calmly went, well, you better. <laughs> because – Now that would be – a beautiful thing to see. The amount of restraint that's, like, that's acting right Well, you better right find there. it because like, I left it here. So The amount, of, <laughs> the amount behind yeah. that relaxed, you better find it. Not my fault. I leave it amazing. here. You the, say leave it here. It's safe here. And then they look and then they've got like four different folders trying to find it. And it's like they don't know if it's under Kelly or Fasuka or something else. I'm just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's so funny. Oh, mate. I've got a I've got a teacher's voice in me that that my my roommate hates it because she's just like oh like she thinks it's like either I, I'm coming across as mean or or rude or anything but it's very specific where I'm like I, I hmm, hmm it's very specific where it's like sometimes you just need to get what you want and the only way to get it is to really ask politely and very directly. I think a lot of the time, especially women, don't know how to ask for things directly. Like if you're in a restaurant, how many times do you see a woman go, sorry, sorry, to the waitress? Sorry, um, can I get some water, please? Sorry. Like, no, don't say sorry. <laughs> Just excuse me, can we please get some water? <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, Tangent. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a uh, look. I, 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 Look, there's nothing wrong with being polite, anyways. But I no, guess, excuse me, I'm still polite. Than makes sense. Just being direct. Know, there's, there's a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the okay, I guess we've we've really just this turned into a Ritalin focused podcast. But I was just genuinely this interested. Whole, the um, podcast is an ADD should, podcast, man. All over the place. Yeah, no, that's what it is. <laughs> you've gone. Yeah, no, exactly. You've taken me totally into your world. Um, <laughs> One so of us. I guess what. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, so just quickly before we go to the book, mm-hmm. just again, yeah, because sure. I'd like to use the books to talk about you. So very quickly, mm-hmm. you're born here. You're from Melbourne? Yes, I was born in Werribee. Werribee? Yeah. Okay, nice. Are your family still down there? Yes. Yes, my dad lives in Hoppers. My mum lives in Tarnate. My other brother lives in Tarnate. Um, my other brother lives in Werribee and my sister lives in Werribee. Oh, so it's four of you? Yeah, four kids, yeah. Oh, On no. the third. Nice, solid effort. Mm, okay. Mate, Catholic. And- Primo, Italiano, Catholic, girl boy, girl boy, two years in between. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay, they really just they did it out, perfect. Mate. <laughs> right, right. So you grew up there and then you've studied in stuff Melbourne, but then you went to the States. Oh yeah. So I, I went to drama school uh at Ruston where I met my now roommate, Celia, and we lived together because we're both in our late thirties and single, so we're like, we might as well just be you know, might as well just live together and take care of each other because men are, you know, aren't really around, I guess. I don't know. Like people have families at our age, so we're just like let's just live together and get some dogs. Uh, so yeah. I went out of drama school like 20 years ago and then uh, I finished that degree and then I did a dip ed in teaching, secondary, and I taught for three days, hated it. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, worked at Foxtel for a few years. That's amazing. Isn't it great? Three days. Three days. Oh, I feel like it, you were just trying, got, you were flying right past that. Mate, three days. That's, ADD. That's what you do. What do you, of course. Oh, dude, you talk, you talk to teenagers and tell me how you like it. You know what I mean? It's the yeah. worst. Oh, God. Uh, and then, yeah, I worked for Foxtel for a few years and then I went overseas and then I lived in America for seven years. And then you did comedy there and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick. Did comedy and podcasting there. It should, uh, nice. you know, chewed me up and spit me out as it does, as the industry does. <laughs> you just keep coming back for more, right? Yeah, like a masochist. Right. Um, the Okay, cool. Well, look, that's just a very brief summary because then we'll go into the book and then we'll jump around. So want, your book of choice for today is... So I... This book, it's called It's Always Something. It's Always Something by Gilda Radner. And uh, so Gilda Radner is one of the original Saturday Night Live um, players. Uh, she was married to Gene Wilder in the oh, wow. late 70s, early, 30, uh, early 80s. Um, and she's been in a few movies like Lady in Red and with him and stuff like that. But she was primarily known for – so she was in um, SNL when it was – Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, um, Belushi, all that kind of stuff. The classics. Are you familiar with her? Um, I th- She's a weirdo. She did that like – I mean, well, I look back at some of the sketches and stuff and it's not very funny and stuff. Like it's kind of aid. You know, you just go, oh, whatever. But there's something about her that she's just a – she's just really charming and and silly and, and – um. Yeah, there's just something quite adorable about her. That and and she's yeah. actually in heaps of stuff. When you like, when you kind of see her face and you go, oh yeah, she was in that movie. She had a bit part here, and you know she's you know those um uh, Mel like she's in Mel Brooks stuff, and she's always acting and like she did the Rose mm. uh, Roseanne Rosanna Dana thing, and I don't know. Like if you go through some of the really early SNL stuff, she's really great. Anyway, 
So she wrote a book called It's Always Something and basically the premise of the book is she got a book deal when she married um, Jean Wilder. Uh, she got a book deal. So she started writing this book about how she was like a funny book about how she was a housewife, right? And she married to a Hollywood movie star. She was a housewife and, and she like, she went to Broadway. Like she did this whole one woman show on Broadway. Like she's was like one of the biggest female comedians, the late seventies and early eighties, um, got this book deal and was like trying to become a mom and yada, yada, yada. And then while she started writing the book, she got sick um, and she was undiagnosed for a few years and then finally they found out it was ovarian cancer um, and it was already very, very advanced. So the book then changed to she's actually writing about her her dealing with getting diagnosed with a possible terminal cancer and then um, so every chapter is about, you know, her past, what brought her here, getting with Jean and then like was it her life and then all the cancer. So... The book took, you know, um, I guess a, a while to be written because as things changed in her medical history, you know, as things progressed, like she was in remission and it came back, it, they were the new chapters, mm. you know. So she wrote this book as she was fucking dealing with this cancer that was just relentless, um, you know, and then trying to have a – she was trying to have a family um, with with – Jean and all this sort of stuff and you know her when she talks about her childhood it was so interesting because she her father she was really close with her father and he died of brain cancer when she was like 11 and it's like she stayed at that immaturity level which is what they say the first big trauma as a kid especially a loss of a parent is like that's where people's they stay you know what I mean like you have a mm. think about friends that you know where they've lost a parent at 10 and you're like, oh, yeah, he's still there. He's still a 10-year-old even though he's 40, stuff like that. Um, so anyway, so you read his book and, you know, and it's all about, you know, she's getting better, she's going blah, 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 blah. And then the last chapter, you turn it over and it's Gene Wilder and he oh. tells you that she's passed away. Damn. It breaks your heart. Like, so the chapter before that is just like this chapter where she tells this story about um, a dog that she used to own. It's a really sweet little story. And you're like, oh, that's a nice story. And you just turn the page and then it's Gene Wilder going, um, you know, uh, two weeks after she wrote this last chapter, she took a turn and she passed away at the hospital, blah, blah, blah. And Isn't that crazy? She didn't finish the book. Damn. It's beautiful. That's a, that is, that is, that is, yeah, it tra- it, it, Beautiful in that tragic sort of oh, way, I guess. Mate. Like so, I just I just turned that last page because it's like I, I knew she had died because she died in yeah. 1986, but I knew she had died. But then it was a part of me that was like, "Hang on a minute!" I was like, "I was like, just like flipping through, I'm like, what, what? Hang on, like, is there not nothing else?" And yeah, and it broke, and it, it just bra- it just breaks you. I'm just trying to see if I can find that. Um, yeah, the bit. But, yeah, yeah, it just fucking it broke me. And also because the last chapter before that, she found a new doctor and because she mm. got, she'd gotten some pretty terminal um, um, notice about like, oh, there was a spot on her liver and all this stuff. And then the last chapter was like she found this, you know, Dr. Greenspan and he was like, no, 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 that's just a shadow. He's like, that's fine. And like he was, he had it and it was like, oh, my God, she's going to beat, beat this shit, you know. And it and fucking, then- she just fucking died. She okay. fucking died, bro. Uh, 
I, that's yeah. That's breaker. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, look, I, I that definitely adds. It's tra- it's tragic, but it uh, like in terms of it's sad that that adds so much to it. Like in the fact, it almost makes it more real. I guess the whole thing, reading it like that, having that yeah. ending to it. And this copy I have here, this copy was brought to. I think an ex boyfriend brought it for me, and this copy doesn't have the Gene Wilder part in it. So I think that oh. depending on the print that you got. Depends. So this one doesn't have it in there, but my original copy, which I don't know where it is, so I would have lent it out to someone and never returned it. Wherever that copy mm-hmm. is, that's the one that has. So because I, I would, I'd, I'd like to have a look at it and reread that part, but um, it's not here. Oh, so like the other versions literally just mm. end with that story and then just ends. Yeah. So this one here, it just ends. Okay. And that's it. All right. But there that's is, and, less- and the thing is, I didn't know it at the time, but. I didn't know it at the time, but rereading that last little story she told about the dog, she wrote that story knowing she was dying. She was dead. You yeah. know, and she, it was two weeks later. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just wish I, yeah, anyway. Um, so I guess first, uh, why is this your favourite book? Um, because the way she writes, it's so easy to read and she has my brain. Like just reading it. I remember the first time I read it, I made Celia read it because I was like, oh, my God, she's just like us. Like she's neurotic, you know. She's like, oh, my God, what if they don't like me? And I'd never read a woman talk about what if they don't like me, you know, and from a comedy point of view, you know. But what if they don't like me? What if I – what if they blah, 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 and just being neurotic and just really working hard to win, win over people. I just never, ever – experienced that point of view before ever does that make sense really okay no no yeah. that, 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 Never. that is literally like the most powerful thing that can happen when you read a book is when you're like oh fuck that's she's me that's me i think like she's that. me that's, yeah. yeah that's what i thought yeah. i was like she's you're not me. alone yeah she was just yeah. like every the, every way her thought patterns went you know whether it was positive or negative or crazy or whatever i was just like fuck man she's me she just had a really similar like blah Way of things. I just really <laughs> liked it, you know? It does It does sound like that kind of like – it would tie in with people who are in comedy as well, just having that kind of mm. overthinking sort of stuff. Total um, overthinker. That's the thing. She was a totally neurotic overthinker and it was great. Yeah. Loved it, you know? And there was a part in the book where she just gently brushes over the fact that she had bulimia for 10, 20 years and then just never <laughs> talks about it. Better things to talk about than how she had bulimia but, for 20 years. But focus, yeah, but focus on some tiny thing for like pages and pages. But yeah, and I just love reading like because when she met, she met Gene Wilder on a film set and he had just come out of a marriage and her marriage was like they were separating and she was like in love with him. She's like he smelt good, mm. he was so handsome and she's like my the like the rest of my time was devoted to trying to – trick Jane into falling in love with me and it was adore and you're reading it and just adoring where she's like trying to turn up where he is and uh, and and she wore him down she wore yep. him down and he ended up marrying her that's hilarious. I love it it was it's adorable the way she's just like la 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 like please marry me yeah, yeah. and stuff it was adorable I loved it and so does she does she write funny like is, yeah. it, is it well written in that yeah. sense like she's 100 percent real real funny yeah like just silliness, real, real silliness, and really great tangents as well. So I don't know if she had oh, like really? a ghostwriter. No, she just had a forward. There's no ghostwriter or anything. Mm. I mean, she's a comedian, so she. And like to be honest, uh, if she was getting that kind of 
credit back then in the late 70s, early 80s as a female That's comic. The thing. Like she'd have to be bloody like absolute the best there is like around to be like, honest. This like, is um dude, well this she was the biggest star at the time. She was on the front com- she was on the like front cover of Rolling Stone. Um yeah. went, so in nineteen seventy nine she did a one woman show, a Broadway show and it was like all the characters from SNL now on Broadway. There was a poster of her that that channel like in Broadway that was uh, at Winter Garden and it went all the way around on the corner. Like that's a big fucking deal. Like yeah. that's her, like ten foot tall. That's huge. That the fact that it was a chick and yeah, doing characters. I mean. like, she wasn't doing stand up. She was doing characters. That's f- and Paul Schaefer. Remember the guy from Letterman? You know the that was her music yeah. guy. Like, All right. yeah, yeah, man. Like just so that's what I mean. Yeah, like she she elbowed her way in there hard. So I wouldn't be surprised if she'd written that and she was that funny because like she's probably about yeah pretty talented. If she's gone there, hundred percent. Um. So, and how old were you the first time you read that? Oh, I read it just before I moved to America. Yeah. How old was I? 27? Because that's when I started doing stand-up. I started late, like 27. Yeah, yeah. Did this, like, thanks to this book or? No, because I was doing, because I went to drama school, so I was doing, like, acting stuff. But I, then I was doing sketch stuff and improv stuff. And I, um, and then Celia started doing stand-up. And then I started doing it, like, a year after her. Just because I was like, oh, this is the natural progression. And then once I started doing stand-up, I'm like, a lot more doors open for me than acting ever had. Like, I never, I barely ever had any auditions for acting, ever. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'd have like one commercial. And then I started doing stand-up and then all of a sudden I just knew everyone and got something here, got something there. It just opened up doors, you know. Yeah, I think it's a, yeah, a lot more doors open because you've got to be funny. So, like, as in that's... Well, it's always because, it's almost always as well as because um, with comedy, you have to create, you have to write yourself and you have to make your own work. But actors are used to just sitting back and letting someone else, someone else calls you. You know what I mean? Actors mm. just sit back and wait. Um, but comedians, they they make and they push and they ask and they ask and can I do it, can I, can I, can I. And that's why a lot of actors then go into... Um, stand up because the door opens and, and a lot of the time you know the amount of times I get sent for commercials where they want a comical edge and stuff like they love that you do stand up mm. like for normal commercials the, the problem is most of us comedians don't look like someone who should be on TV <laughs> yeah the, 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 I mean, even that's changing I reckon slowly over time slowly a bit more no. than it was very maybe. fucking slowly slowly very fucking slow. I had a TV thing that I did and um, I gave them my sizes and then the costume person's like, I don't have anything in your size. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And she's like, so I need you to wear a black blazer. Can you bring one? And I said, I don't own that. And she's like, well, I don't have any that are in your size. And I'm like, well, I don't know what you want me to do because I don't own one. Do you want me to go out and buy one? And she goes, could you? And then just give us the receipt and we'll reimburse you. I'm not that fat. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I know people that are huge, you know, yeah. you know, in power to them. I'm not that fat. I'm a size 16. Sometimes <laughs> a 14. I'm wearing, the underwear I'm wearing is a 14, but the leggings is a 16. But they're kind of baggy because I like them really, you know. Anyway. <laughs> I just love that. They're like, we don't even, we didn't even, didn't have even that try. Size. Didn't even try. And I, and I sort of told the person who was, um, 
one of the producers in like a joking way and they were like, oh, really? And I was like, that's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. But it made me feel shit. Yeah. She didn't mean to. She didn't mean to. She was honestly like, I just don't know how to, you know, fit here. And then when I got there, I had to. So then we had costuming when I got there. I tried on a ton of stuff because I didn't look good in a lot of stuff you had. And then eventually they finally, um, because I had to wear like a business suit and stuff. Um, But then, yeah, eventually they got something for me and I looked amazing. And then they gave it to me at the end. It was like a $300 dress they had to buy for me. And then they ended up giving it to me. And she was like, oh, no one's really going to fit into this. You must well keep it. So I was like, "Uh, thanks. I'll wear it to a wedding, I guess. Because it was a beautiful dress, beautiful like business dress. But I was like, yeah, "Yeah, I'll wear it to a wedding, I guess. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, there's a lot going on in that story. I don't know. Isn't it? I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, we're never going to need this again. So you just take that. You're like, thanks, but. It's like the hug with the slap. I know. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, well, what are you going to do? It's a signing. Um, So actually, on that note, though, uh, was her writing. like, was she feminist at all in her writing or was it more – because you're saying, hey, you were feminist, so I'm seeing that connection mm. there, but I'm guessing that maybe she was without meaning to be A different so. tone. There was a different tone of femininity, I think, because the book is – it didn't really focus on that kind of stuff because um, mm. it really did kind of go where – yeah, it, it didn't really focus on it. When she talked about her career, she was surrounded by – there wasn't many moments of unfairness in her career for being a woman because she was actually surrounded by people that loved her. So people like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, um, Howard Ramis, they love women. They're like, I don't know what, I'm sure there's people that would disagree with me, but when you read this book, they lifted her up because they loved her. So no, I don't Uh, think so because it wasn't a prevalent thing. She wasn't like missing role like I didn't get a tone of that at all where she's like oh I missed out on this role because I you know am a woman and but also she was very ah uh, maybe there's a little bit of stuff about how she was she was always going to be the sidekick she was never going to be the leading lady because she was didn't look she wasn't beautiful enough it's going to be yeah. so it's depending the uh the comedy the, the circles yeah. you're in she wasn't always stand up I yeah. bet you you find someone like go Joan Rivers she'll have the stories of like never been good enough, never this, never that, blah, 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 blah. But also the book is about her surviving more than it is her career. Her career is only like two or three chapters. The whole book's about her, yeah, surviving. The One of the parts of the book that she does really talk about is that she was really sick for like two years before she got a diagnosis. And if she had been diagnosed earlier, she probably would have survived it because by the time they found it, it was in stuff. It was already there. Um, and I think – one of the things she does talk about is how no one believed her. No one believed her that she was sick. And I think maybe that is a thing that happens with women is that, you know, we got cramps, we get this, we get that. And people are like, oh, it's just your period. Oh, it's just the middle of your period. Oh, it's just the end of your period. You know what I mean? Like it's everything is – and, and yeah. we, are, we are told to just ignore so many things that really should be um, red flags because that's just not – you know, whatever's happening is just not good. Make, and it's yeah. and I guess it, it, this goes back to what you were saying before about like not wanting to make a scene almost, so mm. you just keep it to yourself. Yeah, I'm sorry. Can I have more water? Yeah. Well, a lot of yeah. women don't it's want just, to be troubled. Sorry, could I get a yeah. Di- yeah. could I get a diagnosis? Yeah, I'm sorry. Do you mind if you just do more tests for me? Um, yeah, yeah, I think there's a like, lot oh, of that. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, so I take it back. I think that now thinking about it, there was a lot about that stuff in there, and then um, so but she that, yeah, her, that's so, deeper. Yeah. So she got this like 
blood test done, which shows cancer elevation levels. And um, the first time she got that test was like two years later and it was through the roof. So they knew she had cancer somewhere in her body, but they didn't know where. And right. now she, she did, and then after she died, Jean actually became a massive advocate for this particular blood test to be done early for women. Mm. So you could see elevated levels. And now it's a common thing. Oh, you right. know, like okay. like your levels are supposed to be eight and hers, her first blood test, it was 247. You know, something was wrong. But no one had done that test earlier. Everyone's like, oh, you're stressed. Oh, you're working on a new show. Oh, you're stressed. Oh, this. Oh, it's your period. Oh, and then menopause because she was 42 or, you know, younger. I think she was 39 when it first started happening. Um, people were like, oh, you're going through early menopause. And she was trying to get pregnant as well. So people were like, oh, you're having a miscarriage or this is happening. But like all these symptoms of like massive pain, bloating, sore legs, like all this stuff that was cancer is in your ovaries and is spreading rapidly, no one took her seriously. Right. Mm. And that's like, yeah. That's, Medical gaslighting. It's, <laughs> that's one way of putting it, yeah. Mm. It's, um, I can, okay, I guess it's weird though because like you're saying you read this uh, like now a long time ago, like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, whatever, I've reread it a uh, bunch. Yeah, yeah, mm. but it's like as in it's sounding like now from what you've said, mm. it's really relevant now to your life more so than it was mm. 10, 15. So it's interesting how it was that hitting you back then yeah. and now you're – But, is that, but um, like and this, we're talking about 19, 1989 and people still aren't listening to women. Do you know what I mean? I've been to the doctor where I'm like, I am telling you this is the red flag you need to notice. I've said that to my doctor before. And um, she's like, oh. <laughs> I was like. So it's even female doctors as well. Oh, They're also. No one knows because it's just our bodies are, you know, like, you know, look at the, look at the, um, these are the um, uh, uh, symptoms of ovarian cancer. Uh, bloating. <laughs> Lower back pain. Stomach pain. <laughs> Restlessness. Weight gain. Weight loss. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Come on, man. That's just a Saturday. That's, 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 yeah, that's Monday morning for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Like, as in, so to, to go into that, like, for a sec, uh, if you want, um, does that, did you feel like you learned more from getting more towards where she was at? Like, did that give you some new perspectives, maybe? In, in or what way? Anything like that? I don't know. Getting to the age where she, like, you're saying, as she was, now you're roughly around the age she was when she actually wrote this stuff. Oh, my God, stuff. I am too. <laughs> O-M-G. I am too. I'm sorry. She died in 1989, age 42. It is two years and a little bit away from where I am now. So I am the age that she was when she first started going through it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, my God, that is so sad. <laughs> oh, well. I've never had someone. Best, <laughs> best find someone who resembles Gene Wilder and make him marry me. Toot sweet. That's uh... a... <laughs> okay, now I feel... Okay, let's move on from that. Then um, to go on that, actually, so Gene Wilder, mm. is he awesome? Yeah, he is. Like... Yeah, yeah, in the book he is, but he has a terrible burden because he's taking care of someone who's dying. So right. there's yeah there's a lot of elements in the book where 
it might come across that he's being selfish, but he's not because he's his wife's dying and he had a career. Mm. This is when this is see no evil, hear no evil. This is Richard Pryor. He was at the top of his game. Willy Wonka. He was a massive movie star. And his wife was dying of a cancer that nobody talked about. She was the first the, when she died of ovarian cancer, people started talking about ovarian cancer. You know, right? What I mean? And it was because you know, and it was like pretty heavy AIDS time as well. You know, mm. so it was just no one really talked about it. Even now, people don't hate talking about it. You know, it's just such a you know when things are wrong with female bodies, it's such a look. Um, you know, ugh. ovarian breast cancer. Blah. Have you had experiences like that? Your own medical stuff. It's like. Oh, definitely with the ADHD being misdiagnosed with like antidepressants for years and stuff like that. So yeah, mm. really annoying. So it's weird. So you're, the the medical diagnosis issue side of it kind of hits you a bit more than you. But yeah, it's really yeah, it's really frustrating. But this is a this is what I take from the book and from everything else is that no one cares about you more than you. So if you mm. want to get anything done, sometimes you've got to be a bit of a bulldog. You know, right. like no one gives a shit. Like I. Like I'll get tests, um, uh, conversation for another time, but I'm doing IVF at the moment and um, no one cares more than I do. So I have to call and get the results. I have to ask the questions. I have to do this. If I let someone else deal with what's happening right now, like if I leave it up to the nurses to or my doctor to make sure the ball is rolling, the ball she will never roll. Right. You know what I mean? If I don't double check the two bags of medication that I get once a month, something's missing. You know, I have to be really, really on top of it, and I have to be really, really vigilant because no one gives a shit. No one cares about me. I'm the only one who cares. I have to call ahead and make sure that everything is ready. I have to make sure, blah blah blah. You know? Yeah, that's that's. I think that could be a life lesson for a lot of people sometimes. I think sometimes, it's really important for that. everyone to really know that is what for themselves that no one gives a shit, no one cares about you except you. Mm. You got to do it for yourself because if I have to wait for everyone to do anything for me, it just won't happen. And it's not because I don't care; it's because they got their own shit. Yeah, you know, I'm the, I'm the same. Yeah. Oh well. You'd think we would have uh, learned it from growing up that no one cares. I know. <laughs> I was, I was still mum's favourite. I, <laughs> I bet you are mom's, your mum's favourite. I don't doubt that at all. <laughs> all right, now that uh, we've jumped around, I guess we've kind of gone into a few things. I so think so. I think this is really fucking thorough. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I always finish off by asking just quickly, mm. um, do you feel like you've got any new connections between you and the book? Um, yeah, I do. I'm the age that she started dying right now, which is great. <laughs> so, And yes. I'm, I'm trying to have a baby. The exact same position she was in when she found out that she was sick. So this is good. Okay, I'll let you know if I've got a terminal illness. Yeah, I'm feeling like I don't want. <laughs> this has been <laughs> a lot to put. Well, hopefully the rest of your Sunday gets uh, is to steps up. Nah. Right um, okay. Well, awesome. You've been so much fun. Thanks very much. Thank um, you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you can have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.